My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to your program. This is of course Madrasa on A and you are tuned to 91.3 FM. You probably know my voice by now. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson and I am in studio by Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams joining us in studio this afternoon for of course our program on Madrasa on A being the Hajj edition. And we are of course Madrasa on A the Hajj edition and here we are going to be doing a recap as to where we stopped on Thursday, which was the forbidden acts for the pilgrim, more so looking at when you are in the state of Ihram. However, I am now going to be handing over to Sheikh to do our opening du'a for us, as well as Assalamu Alaikum Sheikh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing? It's Monday. Alhamdulillah, ala kulli hal. I just need to say that I had a hectic weekend. May Allah grant khair and barakah, especially with the judge, the, the situation, mashallah. May Allah grant us khair and barakah. And grant the Hujaj everything of the very, very best and Ameen. grant them to be able to work to the process of a Hajj Makbul and Mabrur, inshallah. Ameen. Allahumma amin ya Rabb. However, Sheikh, with that, we can continue the program. I'm sure that a lot Shukran of the listeners. Shukran rahim Alhamdulillahi wa ahda wa salatu wa salamu ala la nabiya ba'd. Rabbi sharuh li sadri wa yasir li amri wa ahlul uqtatham min lisani yafqahu kawli. اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله thanks and praise due to Allah always and forever then love and salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم of the favors that we need to be able to be reminded of myself and everybody of us is the very fact of the greatest favor, the greatest favor that we have is to be a Muslim in the Ummah of the Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rabb, what a status, what a position. If whatever there is in Allah's whole creation, the whole creation of Allah must be in the best commodity that Allah has created, then the favor given to you and me to be an Ummati of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as a believer is superior by far, cannot be compared to the whole universe in the best commodity. Allahu Akbar. Ya Rabb, what a status. Allah grant us to be worthy of that. Or Allah grant us to be of those people who begin to be granted the reward for the fact that you have chosen us and that we've been trying our very best to be submissive to your cause, Allah. Allah grant us forgiveness. Or Allah grant us pardon. Or Allah grant us the value like what you've given us to choose us, O Allah, that we are worthy of that status that you've chosen us, Ya Rabb. Forgive us for our shortcomings, Ya Rabb. And lead us to what is best for our dunya and best for our akhirah. Ameen, ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah. Allow us just to make the dua together. Where we want to say, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen, wal-jannatu lil-muwahideen, wal-a'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم اللهم اجعل الحجاج حجهم حجا مبرورا وسعيهم سعيا مشكورا وذنبهم ذنبا مغفورا وعملهم صالحا مقبولا وتجارتهم لن تبور يا النور النور عالم ما في الصدور أخرجنا وإياهم من الظلمات إلى النور سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Alhamdulillah, as to what we did last week, we looked at the situation of the conditions for the validity of the tawaf. 
then we went to the conditions for the validity of the psi then we went to the prohibited acts and then we went to the in the invalidators of the Hajj what makes the Hajj invalid and then we looked at the the the, the forbidden acts that goes with with that right so um, to uh, that that was that was on, on, on Thursday we looked at those things now we're starting at the forbidden acts of of the pilgrims what 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 was forbidden for them as pilgrims we went there we 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 said there's quite a few of them. We went to four of them that we acted on. Those four last four that we dealt with was uh, four pertaining to, <coughs> allow me, <coughs> it says wearing the sewn clothes, a woman covering her face or, or her hands, um, a man covering his head with a turban or something like that, wearing perfume. That was the four that we covered. And we're going over to the fifth one from here onwards. And the fifth one we says, inshallah, is to be able to cut the nails or to clip the nails and, and to shave or to cut the hair. Now that is a, 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 a statement by Allah in the Holy Quran when Allah says, do not shave your heads until the sacrificial animal, until the the, 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 the hadi has reached the place of sacrifice, which is Makkah. The scholars are all in agreement that it is forbidden for the pilgrim to trim his nails. However, it allowed, it's allowed for the one who has some kind of infection or injury to remove the hair and he must perform then what we say a uh, fidya must be paid and that fidya Allah describes in the Holy Quran Allah says فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ بِهِ أَذَمْ مِنْ رَأْسِ فَفِدْيَةٌ مِنْ صِيَامٌ أَوْ صَدَكَةٍ أَوْ نُسُكٍ and Allah says whosoever of you is ill or has an ailment in his scalp Necessitating shaving, he must pay a ransom or pay an amount for either observing fast of either observing fast for three days or giving charity, feeding six poor persons or offering a sacrifice of one sheep. Kab in a hadith, the messenger of Allah came to this person, Kaab, and says, Nabi came to me on the occasion of Hudaybiyyah while I was killing, while I was kindling a fire under my cooking pot and lice were creeping on my face. He said, He وسلم, said to me, These creatures bothering you? Are these creatures bothering you? I replied, Yes, O Messenger of Allah. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Get your head shaved and as expiation feed six poor people uh, with, with a certain amount of food or fast for three days or sacrifice a, an animal. They, we can see the way the Nabi tells us about the clipping of the hair or the cutting of, of, the, of the nails. right? That brings us to number five and number six. Um, these are all part of those things that's actually not permissible or, as we would say, forbidden to the person who in actual fact is a pilgrim. He's, he's, he's busy in the state of Ihram with some of his ibadah. Number seven, the scholar says, is having intercourse with your partner. For any type of or any form of foreplay, then it actual fact is not permissible. Number eight, committing any sins, major and minor. Number nine, disputing improperly with others. And the scholar says the basis for these three things, for the abbreviation of the last three categories, is Allah's statement in the Holy Quran. الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث 
wala fusuqa wala jidala fil hajj the meaning of the hajj is in a well-known months luna here so whosoever intends to perform hajj therein by assuming the ihram or dressing himself or putting himself in the ihram then he should not have intercourse nor commit sin nor dispute unjustly during the hajj period subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata allah mentioned those things things we see it said how important these things are that brings us to number 9 this number 10 <coughs> and number 11 a person who is in a state of ihram or busy with the ibadah of hajj cannot get married neither can he propose marriage may allah grant khairan baraka allow us to be able to grow and to develop it with Allah's loans for us. Definitely beautiful said there by Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams we are now looking at the forbidden acts for the pilgrim more so within the state of Ihram and we are looking at those in terms of looking at those final pointers and we have stopped by number 10 for now we are going to be continuing and I think that Sheikh stopped at number 10 and maybe we can just reiterate again what number 10 is and this is of course the forbidden acts for the pilgrim more so within the state of Ihram Sheikh tafaddal Shukran jazakallah khair for that one and Yasmina. At number 10 we said uh, the uh, person must not be able to get married should not get married and could not cannot be proposed. The person cannot be proposing a marriage either for himself or for somebody else. And the person that's number 11 the person cannot get married. So the issue of marriage because the issue of marriage deals with what is the human relationship with one another and the situation of Hajj Oh Umar in the state of Ihram is an intimacy with Allah that the person shouldn't have any of the worldly things to it and thus the scholar says according to the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam you cannot get married at the state while the person is in the state of Ihram or not even you can you cannot do a proposal at that moment or you cannot be proposed somebody else cannot be propose, cannot propose on your behalf So as we said number 10 was proposing was getting married and number 11 was proposing and let's listen to the hadith of the sahabi radiyallahu an Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu an narrated that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam our nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said the pilgrim is not to get married be married off or propose meaning you cannot marry them off like say say like when the father figure marries of his daughter but his daughter is in the haram or he is in the haram he may not be able to propose or marry off his daughter while she is in the haram neither can he marry off his daughter while she is in the haram neither can he simply because of the status that Allah has granted to the situation of the haram that we need to be able to see that the we honor and dignify the process of having that relationship with greater relationship with Allah Taala that status number 12 is exposing game to be killed or slaughtered or pointing to or to indicating a prey what does this mean it refers to the fact that um how they normally slaughter animals now when you and i in in, in a haram in the ihram state we may not be a, we cannot slaughter an animal we cannot also kill or do or, or hunt an animal we cannot even point to an animal that needs to be hunted by saying these are such a and give one as a means to be able to allow others to to to, to do that to to do the killing because we in the state of ihram we we not even to that extent should we be able to participate in the process process Allah tells us to us in surah Maida verse number 96 wa hurrima alaykum saydul barri ma dumtum hurma as verse number 6 surah Maida surah number 5 Allah says forbidden is um is the land game as long as you are in the state of ihram for hajj or umrah meaning whilst you're in the state of ihram you may not be you may not kill the animals whatsoever that is around you subhanak if they are free moving you cannot hunt them 
When the Prophet was asked about the zebra that Abu Qatada had hunted down while he was not in the inviolable state, while not in the state of haram, although the others were, he said, the Nabi said, Did any of you ask Abu Qatada to attack them or did any of you point to them? They then said, No. He then said, You then may eat of the animal. What is meant here, Abu Qatada was a person who was not in the state of Ihram, so he could do the hunting. If he's not in the state of Ihram, so he, he saw an animal and he killed the animal. Our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wanted to know, did any of those people who was in Ihram, did they indicate to Abu Qatada, did they point to the animal, or did the, the Abu Qatada see this himself? And thus he slaughtered the animal, or, or, or thus he, he, he hunted the animal. And then that which was hunted, he brought it to everybody and he gave it to, for, for them for eating, or to them for, for, to enjoy. It was quite permissible if that happened, said the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indicated that eating the land game, which one contributed to, it's hunting or pointing to it or assisting the hunter that prevents the person to eat. He cannot then enjoy of that. And that brings us to point number 13, which are the 13 points that goes with when a person is in a state of ihram for hajj or for umrah. May Allah accept from all of us, inshallah. We now go over to the the invalidators of Hajj. Those things that makes Hajj invalid. Now, according to the scholars, there are two things. One of those two things is sexual intercourse that the person has with his partner. And if, if that is before the stoning of the Jamratul Aqaba, meaning after the after coming from Arafah, and it's, uh, he's, he's, been on, uh, he's been on Arafah and, he's in, and then goes to Muzdalifah and get to Mina. But before he pelts the Jamaratul Aqaba, if he done so, then, then that is not permissible. It invalidates the Hajj, meaning the Hajj is not valid. If it were done after the stoning of Al Aqaba, but before the ifada, before the, the, the tawaful ifada, it does not invalidate the hajj, says the scholars, although the person has committed a sin. It would be considered that the person has done, he's done a sin on the hajj, and it, 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 the value of the hajj becomes less, um, but the person is not, the hajj is not invalid completely. Um, there is other scholars who unfortunately says that it is not it, it's it, nothing is wrong with that is concerned but Allah so strongly says in the holy Quran Fala rafatha, there must be no sense of rafatha whatsoever and if they say there's no proof to it the proof is the very fact that Allah says that in the holy Quran um, the second thing that makes hajj invalid is that thing, the per, if a person perfor, failed to perform one of the essential components of the Hajj. If something is an essential component, you cannot without it, then in that case, the person, if he misses out that component, then that makes the Hajj invalid. And the scholar says then, it is an obligatory of him, of, for that person to perform the Hajj, the sooner the better during the next year immediately. Subhanakallah. Except for when the person's situation does not allow him to complete, doesn't allow him to be able to um, come back the very next year, then the scholar says it must be done immediately, more important than anything else in his life. It should be the most important aspect that he works for his total life to see that he goes back to perform that Hajj wherein he has done the errors that he was done. Now the builder. 
I think that brings us to the end of that aspect. We then go over to what we call the forbidden acts. But here the forbidden acts with reference to the two sacred sanctuaries, referring to Makkah and Medina. Now first and foremost, we need to understand that Makkah and Medina, Allah has make it, made it sacred. The, the secrecy of Makkah has been made sacred in the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa by the dua of Nabi Ibrahim, and Allah mentions to us that in the Holy Quran. Allah has made the place sacred. Says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi And Allah has given me the right sallallahu alayhi wa To be able to make the city of Medina sacred And so Nabi Ibrahim's dua made the Makkah, made Makkah sacred And the dua of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Made Medina sacred So these are the two sacred cities that there is around the world And when we say sacred um, in, 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 in South African context um, uh, when they speak to you, this area is a reserve area. Then this is what has been, Allah has reserved it. Nobody can do what you cannot do with it, what you want. You must follow the instructions that has been given to this. So you cannot take a stone. You cannot reuse of the ground. You cannot uh, um, harm the trees. Uh, you, you can do nothing. Everything is in agreement with what comes from Allah. And the scholar says there are specific acts that are prohibited in the land of the two sacred sanctuaries for the resident of those lands as well as for the people coming to visit it via Hajj or Umrah or any other purpose. These acts are the following hunting or pursuing land game or fowl or helping someone else to do the same. So we've seen in the state of Ihram, when the person in the, in the state of Ihram, uh, the, the situation of hunting is not permissible. But here, we're not dealing necessarily with the state of Ihram. We are looking here at what we call the place, the, the place which is haram, which is, which is sacred. May Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. Shukran so much for that. And we have moved on to the forbidden acts of the two sacred cities being Makkah and Medina. I hope that you're having your pens and papers handy and you're jotting down all of these notes. Alhamdulillah that she has been speaking to us about. However, I'm now going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue. Sheikh Tafato. Shukran jazakallah khair, barakallah fikum with that one. Auntie, we, in, in, we, just before the break, we were speaking about the forbidden acts in the two sacred cities. We were speaking, speaking number one about the hunting that may not play, take place there. And then we went over to number two. They said uprooting or cutting its plants or shrubs unless there is a need, of a sense of need or necessity for that. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. So... As we described earlier, when I say a place is a reserve, it's if you speak about the reserve in in in, in um, Cape Point, you cannot remove, you cannot move the stone. You can't even take it, pick it up, and, and, and throw it around. You may not uh, uh, cut the, the branches there. You may there's so many things that you may not do. This is because Allah has created it as a sacred place, as a reserve. So the world then followed the process of what Allah did. They also create the reserves in. And, 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 and they say these are the rules, but all the other reserves that there is in the world has been made by man. The only reserve made by Allah in his words of his messenger is the reserve of Makkah and the reserve of Medina. Right? And, and Allah has made, made these places sacred and there are certain things that need to happen under normal circumstances in these places cannot be done. The third one is Carrying weapons in the sacred place, Allahu Akbar. In Makkah and Medina, a person may not carry weapons. Number four, picking up of lost items by a pilgrim. The residents must pick up such must pick up such lost items as long as he or she announces them. The difference between the pilgrim and the residents on this point is obvious. The the resident. If, for that matter, the pilgrim picks up them up in the in the sacred places, um, then you, you need to take it to the place where the lost and found is to be taken to. But that is more righteous being done to the person that's in on that stays in the place. The person who is on Hajj is not recommended for him to be able to pick it up. May Allah grant khair and barakah, inshallah. 
the, there's proof of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of conquering of Makkah. Allah has made, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Allah has made this city haram on the day he created the heavens and the earth. He's made it sacred, he's made it um, reserved. It is sacred by the declaration of Allah until the day of resurrection, until the day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. It was not permissible for anyone to fight therein before me, says the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and it was only permissible for me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, for a portion of the day. It is um, sacred, it is uh, haram, by the declaration of Allah until the day of resurrection. Therefore, its shrubs are not to be uprooted, its game is not to be chased, its lost items should not be picked up except by whoever announces it publicly, and its trees are not to be cut. Abbas radiallahu an says, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa uncle said that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Abbas said to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa except for the Idkhir, a type of grass that grows, for it is used by the blacksmiths as the means to be able, and for the horses. Um, so the Prophet accepted and accepted that, except for the Idkhir, because the Idkhir is used by the blacksmith to add into the fire, and it was given as a means to be able for the horses to eat. And they they live by that, and Allah did not make that uh, did not use uh, Allah allowed that to be able to be used in that sense. Jabir radiallahu an narrated to us that he heard the Prophet sallallahu said, "It is not allowed for any of you to carry weapons in Makkah." So here we see a person may not carry weapons in Makkah. Ali radiallahu an said that the Prophet sallallahu said. About Medina, its shrubs are not to be uprooted, its game is not to be chased, and its lost items are not to be picked up except by one who know, makes it known. It is also not proper for anyone to carry weapons for fighting therein, and it is not proper to cut down any of its trees unless it is to be provided fodder. For one's camel or one's animals. Here we see that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa show us the process of the two, the Haram of Makkah and the Haram of Medina. The scholars says to us, whoever does any of these acts has committed a sin. That person must repent and seek forgiveness in the city of Makkah and Medina. However, in the case of hunting, the pilgrim must give as an, a, a ransom the act of a sacrifice made in addition to repenting and seeking forgiveness. May Allah Ta'ala accept. Now, the issue of hunting, Allah Ta'ala deals with it in the Holy Quran. In Surah Ma'idah, Surah uh, um, number 5, verse nine, 95, Allah says, Ya wa antum hurum, wa minkum muta'amidan mithlu ma qatala min minkum hadiyam Masakin aw adlu dhalika siyaman liyadhuku liyadhuka bala amri bala amri afallahu amma salaf wa man aada fayantaqimullahu min wallahu azizun dhuntikam subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah Allah says in this verse and allow me to say to our people here we come to understand the seriousness of the process of doing hunting in the Haram of Makkah. Here with reference to the Haram of Makkah or Medina, either because it is Haram or in the state of Ihram, may Allah protect from all of us. I mean, we are still going to be continuing on the forbidden acts of the two sacred cities being Makkah and Medina. And here I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stopped just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafatul. 
Shukran jazakallah khair anti Yasmina. Um, um, just before the break, we were dealing with the with the uh, uh, the person that uh, that is is uh, uh, busy in the sex, uh, the um, haram of Makkah and the haram of Medina, and uh, 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 what he had to do there. We then showed the the fact that he must not be able to slaughter an animal, or he must not be able to hunt there. The scholar says the issue of hunting is a serious act. And as Allah deals with it in the Holy Quran, and Allah says, and we said to you, it's in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse 90, uh, um, verse 95. Verse 95. In this verse, Allah says to us, what is the harms and the dangers of having to be able to when you slaughter something or when you actually kill the animal um, intentionally. The words of Allah, we read the Arabic, and the words of Allah says, O oh, you who believe, right? This is verse 95. O oh, you who believe, do not kill game while you are in the state of ihram. Umrah. And whosoever of you kills it intentionally, had the intention to kill, the penalty is an offering. The person must offer a, an, an animal brought to the Kaaba for an edible animal such as a, a sheep, a cow, a, a, a goat, I'm sorry, a goat, a cow, and etc. Equivalent to the one he killed. As adjudged by two just men among you. Or for expiation, he should feed poor persons or an equivalent in fasting, that he may taste the difficulty or the heaviness or the uncomfort of the deed that he does. Allah has forbidden, has forgiven what is of the past. But whosoever commits it again in the future, Allah will take retribution from him. And Allah is almighty, all capable of retribution. We, we see then in this verse, and, and, and I would want to encourage everybody to go and check the verse, so that we understand it's a sacred act, it's something that we need to be able to give honor and respect to, and Allah calls for this. But we see the, how, how far does Allah go with this matter? That when you kill an animal in the Haram of Makkah, then you must be able to slaughter something equal to that. So if you cut, if you uh, kill a buffalo for that matter, then a cow, anything bigger than a cow or a camel must be slaughtered. You then cannot, you can then cannot slaughter a sheep. And then what Allah says in the verse, the decision must be made by two wise men who has wisdom and understanding of the law. And at the same time, they must be very just and fair. Just and fair to the fact that the person must not get away to say himself. To this extent, is Allah going go in this verse to show what is it that must be done when we... Now, for that matter, because you could kill a fowl. You, you see a fowl running there... Um, and you run after the fowl and catch the fowl. So what must you slaughter then? The least you can slaughter on that is to slaughter a sheep. If you if you see a hare running, a hare, uh, uh, but only in Afrikaans a hasi, and and no judge the hasi, fangi hasi, jikari hasi, no, you want to slaughter the animal and you want to eat it. You are hunting. So if you do that sense of hunting, this, the, the least you can do, that animal, you cannot eat that animal because you hunted the animal. You should not eat of it. The fact that you hunted in the state of Ihram or in Makkah, the, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the, secrecy, the sacred places such as Makkah and Medina, if you do the hunting there, then unfortunately you must be able to pay the... Uh, you cannot eat of the animal and you must be able to have an animal slaughtered and that must be given to the poor and the needy. And the scholar says, this is the way you need to, because Allah says, it is a serious offense that you do when you do that in the, the secrecy 
or in the reserve of what Allah has reserved for us in land. And that is the reserve of Makkah, the Haram of Makkah, and the Haram of Medina. May Allah grant honor and dignity to all of us and grant us to understand the processes. When Allah glorifies something that you and I, those people who actually wants to perform the Hajj, do not violate that and go to the very extent to be able to show honor and dignity to what Allah shows to us. May Allah open the path for all of us, inshaAllah. The next situation thereafter goes to the what happens to our Hajj. The scholar says if a person has performed the, in, the sexual act during the Hajj process, before the first act of ex, coming from the state of Ihram, and we said that if the person has done so prior to having to pelt the jamarat, a jamarat al-akaba, his has been in, has been void, invalid. And described earlier, and he must sacrifice a camel. He must sacrifice a camel. If he had intercourse after the first moment, but before he actually exit from the ihram in finality, he must, fa- sac- he must sacrifice a sheep at least, then his hajj will be still accepted. Subhanak. Ibn Abbas was asked about a man who had intercourse with his wife in Mina before making the ifada circumambulation, and he said that the man must sacrifice a camel. Allahu Akbar. Amr ibn Subay narrated from his father who said a man came to Abdullah ibn Amr and asked him about a pilgrim who had intercourse with his wife. He, point, he pointed him to Abdullah ibn Amr. He said, go to him and ask him. The person did not know him. So I went to him and I asked Ibn Umar, who said, your hajj has been, Sayyidina Umar, the, the son of Sayyidina Umar said, has been voided, meaning the hajj is invalid, it's not been accepted, has become void, it's not been accepted. The man said, what shall I do? He says, go with the people and do what they do. Meaning you cannot stop the ibadah, say, no, it's invalid, I just stop behaving. No, complete the act until the end, as Allah says in the Quran, Even if whatever happens, you need to keep on fulfilling the act until the very end. Do what they do, said he, said, uh, 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 Abdullah ibn Umar said. However, if you are alive next year, make hajj and offer a sacrifice. He then went back to Abdullah ibn Amr while I was with him and informed him of the statement. Abdullah then says, go to Ibn Abbas and ask him as well. So I went to him and asked Ibn Abbas and he asked him about the issue. Ibn Abbas said the same as Ibn Umar. He went back to Abdullah ibn Amr while I was with him and informed him of what Ibn Abbas had said. Then he said to Abdullah that your opinion, he replied, I say the same as what was said by the two of them. Shukran so much for that. Sheikh Sheikh was looking at the forbidden acts of the two cities of uh, Makkah and Medina. And there Sheikh has been doing the verse 95, that is Surah Ma'ida, where uh, Sheikh has been speaking about the slaughtering and so forth. However, we are probably going to be leaving it on that note. So there is a question that has come through via our SMS line. And it says here, Assalamu alaikum Sheikh and all in studio. Hope you're doing well. Sheikh, you mentioned in terms of the previous session where we were looking at the forbidden acts and that was in terms of being in a haram and she mentioned that one of the acts are if a person fails to perform an essential component of Hajj then one must sacrifice a camel however I would just like to know if she can give an example to what one of those essential components are inshallah okay bismillah rahman rahim alhamdulillah shukran for the question I think it's a pertinent question um, uh, the understanding, um, as we now know and understand the issue of Hajj, it's something that you and I don't put our hands in, in into it. There's no government, there's no intelligent person, there's no professor who comes and put, it comes directly from Allah and His Messenger Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they are the ones who will guide us and show us what and how it must be done. 
when it comes to the essential components, we said that if you has left out one of the essential components, then the person that nullifies the Hajj in completion, so it's nullified. So you've got nothing, you've lost everything, but you still need to slaughter an camel. Wow. So what is an example of that? If you did not manage to attend being on Arafat during the period between Shawwal of the, the ninth day until Fajr the next morning. If you manage to come there, you, we say you happen to have been there prior to Zawal. And then you had to rush off for something happening and you had to get into Makkah area or somewhere. And you then could not make it before Fajr the next morning. You didn't manage to get back there during during the night. So you didn't you were not there because the waqt of Zawal is the time that it starts the waqt of Arafah. And so if you've been there prior or after that, it's of no value. But if you can be there during that period, even if it's for a few seconds, Subhanak la hawla wa illa billah, then you've managed to be able to obtain what we call the waqt, uh, the period of Hajj, and Allah would grant you the ability to being given to what has been given to Hujaj. Subhanak la hawla wa illa billah. May Allah grant khair and barakah to the people, and that we understand. So, uh, if if an essential act has not been reached out, could not be fulfilled, or did not fulfill that, then uh, the essential acts is one one of those things that brings about uh, uh, the loss or the validity of the ibadah, and because of that, now the billah. The person still have to slaughter an animal as well and have to come back to perform the Hajj over the next, the next time again. May Allah open the path for all of us. I hope I've answered the question then. I mean, shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And shukran for everyone who's seen through the questions. The following question is also on the SMS line from the number 4214. It says, Salam, Sheikh. Please can Sheikh advise, is there a reward for a person who has gone to perform Umrah and then died in Makkah? MashaAllah, also a valid question. What, what is there a reward for a person who goes, who, who dies on, on Hajj or Umrah? And, 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 and is there a specific reward? In the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says to us in the one riwayah, if a person dies on this journey, he dies on the journey Hajj to Makkah and back, or Umrah to Makkah and back, just dies on this journey, then that person, if he dies, will not meet up with the difficulty that of the challenge of the grave. Now, the challenge of the grave is such an uncomfortable situation. It gives so, it, it, it's a shocking effect on everybody. Our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to us, Please, if you don't mind when you bury your deceased, make a lot of dua for them because they are now going into a challenge. It is worse than the worst of challenges in this world. There isn't a challenge on this dunya whilst they are alive as so challenging as what happens in the grave. So that's how strength. Yet, says the Nabi, that if a person dies on the journey of Hajj, there and back, then you will not be this the glory and the greatness and the status of this journey for Umrah or Hajj is of such a high nature in the, in the sight of Allah that he will not meet up with the uncomfort of the grave. Na'udhu Billah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah protect all of us. And grant us to be able to be of those people who have been granted that great wonder of Allah. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. In another hadith, with reference to the question, if a person dies, says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the state of ihram for Hajj, or for Umrah, the person is in the state of Ihram, busy with the Hajj, or busy with the Umrah in the state of Ihram, then Yawm al that besides the fact of what will happen in the grave, obviously now the bene- benefit, that person benefits of what happens in the grave, right? But the person has also been buried in a format so different to everybody else. For already he is in a state of Ihram, which is the, is the Kafan state. And he's been, the, the wash that person has taken is the wash of the kafan and the wash of the, 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 the ihram. 
And that person says, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, he will stand up yawm al-qiyamah whilst everybody will be in fear. He will have excitement to meet up with Allah and his words that come from his mouth is, labbaika Allahumma labbaik, labbaika la sharika laka labbaik. What an honor. May Allah grant khairan barakah, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And Sheikh, we are going on to the next question. And this says, Ya Salaamu Alaikum. What if someone had been on Hajj and inevitably bought something, example, sandals, on the way to do the ifawda? What is there anything wrong with that, Sheikh? Yeah, well, um, all, all actions is permissible. While in the state of ihram or while the person is performing the Hajj or the the Umrah, buying sandals is nothing no abnormal. You want to buy, you it's like buying food. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't affect the ibadah. Um, so in, in that sense, it, it wouldn't affect it uncomfortably, alhamdulillah, because you need a pair of sandals. So yes, marhaban and masala. Shukran for that, Sheikh. And there is another question that came through. It says, Salam, a few years ago, we went for Hajj. Accidentally, I brushed my teeth with toothpaste on Amina when I was still in Ihram. Did I have to pay a, penal- a penalty? Please explain. I like the question when the person says, Accidentally, I did something, which means I could have done this thing by accident. But there was no accident that you did. An accident is something which you did unintentional that happens and you you meant you not to do it it was no accident because you need to brush your teeth so whether you did your brush your teeth with toothpaste or not toothpaste it's not an accident in islam so it's not no harm done alhamdulillah alhamdulillah then she had the last question before we continue it says yeah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh sheikh with regards to not picking up lost items is this not the general ruling that applies to everyone in all circumstances that we are not to pick up anything unless we do it with the intention to find the owner that is a that is supposed to be there is things in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says to us If you pick up something and he said something that's Something meager, something insignificant, something small The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says It's either you can take it for yourself Or for your brother Or which means somebody else Or if it's an animal that passes by and sees and it, it's it, there's nothing wrong, right? So if it's something meager, something small, something insignificant, yes, no problem. But if it's something significant, something that belongs to somebody like a bag where his wealth is in and things of that nature, then the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, but now, now I was speaking about something in, uh, meager, insignificant, reference to everywhere in the world. But when it comes to Makkah and Medina, the rule is very, very strict. When you're haram, the rule is very strict. Then it's something other. So that's why the hadith about the thing that's meager is generally in your life. It is expected when you and I pick up something that's meaningful, that we need to be able to advertise this thing. Even the method of advertising, we do not inform the person exactly what we found. We say we found a bag with money in and we stop there. Because then the person needs to come and say what is the bag and what does it look like. He needs to give the description of his bag and he needs to say the amount of money or the things that was in it. And if those things is what he or she has explained, then that bag belongs to that person. And this is the normal law. And this is whether in Makkah or otherwise. Right? So, when anybody loses anything, you do not tell, you don't say to a person, we picked up a, 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 a rotary watch at the bottom, at, at the machine. Uh, um, you don't say, no, a watch was found. Please come forward and explain to us. If you say to us it's a rotary watch, it is a gold watch, it's, or it's a silver watch, you give the description, then it belongs to you. But if you cannot give the description of the thing, then we cannot accept it belongs to you. That is what that is what Islam has taught us. So the advertising effect refers to the fact we pack, we picked up a bag of gold or we picked up a bag of of, 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 of somebody that belongs money that belongs to somebody. That's it. And you end there. And please come forward to, uh, to, to 
to, 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 to find when it's yours. But they, because there can be 10 people who have lost their things, and you don't know which one belongs to who. So, Islam has shown us why the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you advertise very basic, and the person by necessity have to describe what he had. Even he can give you the details of what was in the bag, what does it consist of, then that tells us that who the bag is. Like for instance, the person tells you the bag was, the bag was made of leather, a certain type of leather, a type of quality, certain uh, uh, um, color, then all those are descriptions and you didn't tell that person that. The person had to give you that, then that tells you that belongs to that person. More so if the person can also go to the details of what is in it, that is what the... But when it comes to the Haram of Makkah and Medina, these rules are exactly the same, except for the fact that even in Makkah, a small thing and a big thing may not be picked up. If it's insignificant... Or a bag or something that you and I may not pick it up unless we're going to advertise, which means it can never belong to us. I cannot pick up something in Makkah and say, okay, I'm going to use it for myself. I need to take it somewhere to what we call the lost and found processes and where the advertising is made for it. And when you get there, and you then say to them if they found something, and you can give them the description, they will give it to you to say to you, Shukran, then it belongs to you. Barakallah fikum. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then the last question it comes from uh, WhatsApp and says, Assalamu to all in the studio. Can you make tawaf on behalf of our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Making tawaf on behalf of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not really what is been, what we've been taught. Our Nabi didn't say to us, we must do that. Not that have we seen the Sahaba doing things of that nature. What we can do as part of our tawaf is to be able to do excessive salawat upon our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and ask Allah to Allah accept it because any time when I make tawaf, any, I mean sorry, any time I make salawat upon the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it isn't for the Nabi. It be, I benefit. For the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, If I put salah upon him once, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, only once, sallallahu alayhi biha ashra, then Allah ta'ala, Allah, Allah the Lord of the universe, then goes about to send ten times that to you and me when we make it once. So even if you make your whole, your whole tawaf, only salawat upon the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you benefit, you the person benefit multitudes. And so when you do something, when you do it in the haram of Makkah, the haram of Makkah multiplies any act to a hundred thousand times. When you're in the state of haram, it multiplies it must probably another billion times. When you're doing this on Hajj in the state of Haram during the period of Hajj, it can be probably multiplied a, a, a billion, a, a, a billion square. Subhanallah, la illa billah. Now, I don't have the guarantee to be able to say you a billion or billion square. I'm saying this to let us understand it multiplies to an extent above us. And using the salawat upon the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is only multiplying benefits for us. I'm not really doing it for the Nabi. I'm using the status of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for me to benefit more. more. And yes, there's nothing wrong in making my salah or making salawat as part of my hajj or part of my umrah or part of my tawaf. There's nothing wrong in doing it. But saying I'm doing a tawaf for the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was not the right format of saying it. This probably we would say, I am going to make a salah, a salawat, a, 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 a tawaf, wherein I'm going to make the whole tawaf only on salawat of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and it will be accepted, and I may benefit even more than what I benefit anyway, and I, I would be seeing the reward by Allah, yawm al-qiyamah, and the relationship that I've given a complete 
blessing we have had more intimacy, intimacy with our Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Shukran so much for answering all of those questions and shukran so much to all of you who have sent through all of your questions. I hope that she has been uh, clarifying all of your questions that needed clarity. However, with the few minutes that we have left is about six minutes, I think that we can now expand a little bit more on where we stopped just before the ad break and that was in terms of still being under the banner of looking at the acts of of the holy cities being Makkah and Medina that are forbidden. However, she has been uh, speaking about the intercourse uh, that uh, if you do intercourse in Mina, and that is of course where she is going to be expanding on but more. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran Yasmina. We were busy on the processes of the sexual intercourse that we spoke about that, uh, that happens with a person before he enters into the state of uh, he, he's been in the state of Ihram but he has, uh, and with reference here to the Hajj and the person that did not perform the the, the, the pelting of the Jamarat yet, in that case, um, the the Hajj the, um, the the Hajj is invalid. The person must sacrifice a camel. We've said prior, and um, the person must come back the next year to be able to perform the Hajj. <laughs> What if the person has done so, um, has had an intimacy with his partner after the pelting of the Jamarat, and um, he has most probably done the, he's still, still on Mina, he has been with his partner on Mina, he's done the pelting of the Jamarat, um, he most probably has done, uh, uh, slaughtered the animal for himself already. Um, so now he needs to be able to uh, go and perform tawaful ifada, and he hasn't done tawaful ifada as yet. He goes uh, <coughs> only when or between before before he does the tawaful ifada, he has intimacy with his partner. Then in such a case, unfortunately, he must slaughter a sheep for the least, and its hajj is not invalid. But uh, as the scholars assess, he now has a sense of intimacy with his partner. But is the period for Hajj is not completed. He must just slaughter an, an animal and slaughter a sheep again. If he slaughtered prior to then, and then that happens afterwards, he must slaughter again because of the necessity that belongs to the Hajj for now. That that brings us to the end of those those aspects. There, Alhamdulillah, we then thereafter go over to the process of what. What happens with the different types of 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 hadith that must be slaughtered? And may Allah grant khair and barakah that we actually look at the, those things. The sacrifices related to, the, the, as I said, there are a few different forms of, of sacrifices. The one is that has gone related to the hajj itself of either tamattu or kiran. And the other one has to do with what we call the slaughtering or, or sacrifices. That needs to be done as a sense of as a ransom or as a fidya, right? So these are two of the types of sacrifices that needs to be done. The types of sacrifices related to the Hajj that has to do with tamattu kiran that comes from Allah in the Holy Quran. Um, that the tamattu one is what Allah tells us that This is Allah's command and everybody must be able to understand that if you and I want to perform Hajj, there is no getting away of what Allah has commanded you. If this is what Allah says, then you are going to make a decent mess going out there wanting to do your own thing. And sit somewhere and say, No, no, you can't. This is Allah's command. This is your leader, your your Lord, Allah that commands. The one that's going to grant you a hajj maqbool and mabroor. The one that's going to grant you the status. And you did it just the opposite of what he did, commanded you? Or you just added means and ways to get away and play and make a game or a joke of this whole thing? Or make a whole mess of the thing? Then what do you expect to get? If you want to make a mess of it, make a decent mess of it. And money worry me, man. Fang an wajewel. Of Jesus, ek weese, money mak het toch nie. Jy moet nie jou tijd wees nie. Money is nie hou te gaat nie. Blij wat jy is en gie nie om nie. But that is not what Allah has commanded. So it's either you go there with a pure intention of doing the right thing, 
Oh, may Allah protect us. Some people go and make a mess of the situation. Na'udhu We shouldn't. We should go with a pure intention of doing to the best of the ability as what Allah commands, as what Allah expects and shown to us by the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when it comes to tamattu, Allah Ta'ala says it in the Quran and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam clearly indicated this. This comes from Allah and His Rasul. As for tamattu, Allah says, فَمَنْ تَمَتَّعَ بِالْعُمْرَةِ إِلَى الْحَجِّ فَمَسْتَيْسَرَ مِنَ الْحَدِّ so if the person comes with the intention for Hajj and Umrah, then Billah, may Allah grant khairan barakah that in the tanam tamatu sense that the person must have a hadith that he slaughters there. We need to unfortunately bring the, the, the end to the, the program. Bismillah rahman rahim wal asr inna al-insana lafi husr illa al-ladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasu bil haqqi wa tawasu bil sabr wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa mawlana muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barik wa sallim سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين. الحمد لله رب العالمين. That then concludes our madrasa on a program. Tune in tomorrow same time same place for the continuation.